Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing in the house this morning? Praise the Lord. Let's give it up for Jesus in the house. Hey, let's sing a little bit. You ready? Here we go. Let's all stand. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the younger man uh we were in a church and uh, and uh and uh we had a we had a couple who kind of adopted us as their kids named granny and pa that's how we called them granny and pa and this was his favorite song and he and i used to sing it together in church and and he's been gone for quite some time now but anyway it just kind of you know I, I thank the lord i stand amazed to know he's in the presence of the savior and listen, and, and he's, he's in the presence of the Savior because of what Jesus had done for him. And he would testify of that. How Jesus, he's blood-bought, he trusted Jesus as Savior. And then uh, when he finally left to be with the Lord, that's where he is. And, uh, and I know he's, uh, he's waiting uh, on me to come up there so he can sing, I stand amazed. I've been up here standing amazed the whole time, you know. So, so heaven's real, folks. And never forget that. It's a real place, and it's a real place uh, for real people. And we, down here on earth, are preparing for that real place. We are preparing to be there, and the best way to repair it,
be prepared is to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord of your life, and you too will be prepared. So I pray today, as we go today, that you know what? God just touches your heart in a special way today as we talk about the church this morning. Sister Julie, you got a few announcements you want to share with us, hon? I appreciate that. Give it up for Sister Julie this morning. Awesome. Thank you, sister. Hey, good morning, everybody. We have got a beautiful, loving family here at the Hills Church. If you're as Amen. happy to be here as I am, let's give a shout of hallelujah out to our Lord. Yes, and we would like to thank our first-time visitors and our returning guests. If you haven't had an opportunity to do so, please fill out the card in front of the pew. It has a picture of Pastor Phil and his lovely bride, Deneen. Yes. So just fill that out. You can either give it to a pastor on your way out in the lobby, or you can leave it in the offering plate. Also, in the lobby, we have the school bus, the little net school bus. So if you haven't had a chance to do so, feel free to drop off your donations in that school bus, in the school bus nets. Uh, we are in August, so um, we, we, if you want to, please feel free to do that right away. Um, also, I wanted to let you know that, you know, we continue to grow and worship our Savior here at this church, and our opportunities to do so is tonight at 6 o'clock p.m., where we have Bob Varia, who will be teaching our Bible study tonight, Amen. and he does an amazing job, so please don't miss out on that. And then also, Wednesday night at 6.30 is Gary Beeler. He does our Bible study here in, in the sanctuary. He will do that. And Deneen also does her wow group over in the fellowship hall. I wanted to let you know that this Wednesday, instead of doing the, the book uh, God is Real, she's going to be stuffing the backpacks. So if you all want to, please come on over to help her out with that. And also one other announcement I wanted to share with you is the Roof Love Offering. I just want to remind everyone that if you want to donate to that, you can do it both online or you can just make out a check to Hills Church and donate to the Roof Cause. And that is it. Well, that's awesome, sister. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. That's good. So just make sure to take your uh, Sunday papers home and just check them out here later on. And uh, make notes. you got any questions, just please let me know. My email address is on there. You can go ahead and shoot me a message. But if you will all stand, I want you to do me a favor when you stand this time. In the, uh, we got people online watching. We want to welcome everybody online. So I want you to turn around, just kind of wave at them. That thing has a wide angle. We can kind of see everybody. So anyway, we're just, uh, we just want to welcome our folks that are online. We have several people that watch online. So hey, listen here. We'll have fun with this song this morning. Huh? We're going to have a good time this morning. Here we go. Two, three, four.
in here. I know it was COVID going on. Uh, we're half full, but hey, when our full house in here, that is really uh, an awesome song uh, to sing, and you kind of split the parts on it and all that good stuff, but hey, listen, let's sing. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory we shed on our way. Let's worship Him. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Second verse, not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives in. Not a town nor a fear. Think about it. Not a sigh nor a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy. to trust and obey not a burden we bear not a song 
our prayer this morning as we go into your word this morning that you would uh, uh, Lord speak to our hearts speak to our minds speak to everything we got going on here this morning God that we would just kind of draw a circle around ourselves as I always uh, seem to say and Lord that we would just um, bring the word in a way that's easily understood that's clear that's concise that's exactly Lord what you have for us today to hear uh, from your word Lord I thank you for every soul that's here I thank you for every soul that's watching online this morning and it's my prayer God that you just water us this morning with your word Lord the church is just a vital part of, uh, of what you have designed and Lord it's um, for us Lord we need to understand uh, the functionality of the church how you've designed it to operate and so this morning as we uh, Think about us being Hills Church. Uh, Lord, we are a place to believe and belong and become all, God, that you have designed for us to be as your people. And so, Lord, uh, we just thank you for this time of worship, but all the soul, also this time of discipleship. Uh, Lord, we, we can learn more about you and maybe gain a greater understanding of why is it that we attend here? Why is it that we come together? as God's people why do we do that and Lord I pray this morning that when everybody leaves that there will be no doubt of uh, the, the way the reason that you have designed this church uh, the church being the body of Christ the church are the people uh, that are assembled together in this particular place 
And Father, I just give you praise, and I give you honor, and I give you glory. Uh, Lord, season my words with your grace, but let your word be truth, God, that touches all of our hearts, starting with me, Jesus, this morning. And Father, you've already been dealing with me this week on this. So God, just use this for your glory. I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Savior of their life, God, that you would just uh, touch them uh, this morning, God, and that they would receive Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord this morning. I praise you for it all. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said what? Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. So y'all may have a seat if you can. Get comfortable. You can kick your shoes off. You know, you can be comfortable. Hey, listen, you might as well because... Man, I know we got people watching right now that are probably laying in their bedroom sipping on some, on some Joe. You know what I mean? They're back there. They're sipping on some coffee. They're maybe having a Danish or two. You just never know what the people are doing at home. Or they might be sleeping by the time it's all over. I don't know. But anyway, I hope not. I hope that uh, you've had a blessed week. I pray that the um, Lord has blessed your heart this week. And uh, I pray that the la- message from last week that you were able to find time to Worship the Lord in spirit and truth all week long, and uh, we're so glad that you're in the house this morning. We want to thank our guests for being here this morning. Thank you if you're our guests this morning. We appreciate the fact that you're here. Uh, We're talking about, uh, today we're going to be talking about belong. Last week, we talked about what, church? We talked about believe, right? So what does believe mean? What is the one word that we attach with believe? Worship, right? So we talked about worship last week. Everything was about worship, Lord. We worship the Lord, remember? Uh, Jesus said that to truly believe, you need to believe in God. You need to trust in God. Uh, If you're going to truly worship God, you've got to know who he is. And he's got to know, he knows who you are. But the real question is, do you know who he is? So when we say believe for Hills Church, believe, belong, become, when we think about believe, we're thinking about worship. That's what we're thinking about. Believing in God. At Hills Church, we believe that our worship begins at salvation. That's where we believe worship begins. It has to. He wants us to love God with what? All of our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. Hey, sisters, good to see you this morning. That's so awesome. Thank you for being here. And so, uh, so everything that we are, every fiber of our being, we need to love God with everything we are. That's his first and greatest commandment. That is just everything. Remember, that's our vertical relationship with the Holy God, is is loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so you have to ask yourself the question, do I love God with all that I am, with all my mind, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with everything I am? So ask yourself, do I truly love God with all that? And listen, the way you live your life kind of demonstrates how much you love God in the things that you do and how you walk and how you talk and how you greet other people. So at Hills Church, we believe that our worship begins at salvation by grace through faith. By grace through faith. And we're going to talk about grace and faith and truth here in a few minutes. And continues, listen, it continues. It doesn't just start at salvation, but listen, it continues throughout the entirety of your life by renewing your minds daily as prescribed in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We need to have our minds renewed every single day. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Scripture will say, he needs, I have to die daily. We all have to die daily to ourselves. What do you mean that? Die to ourselves, die to our preferences, die to our desires, what we want. And we've got to die to what? To Christ. 
right? And so the very symbol of baptism is that, the death, a burial, and a resurrection of not only Christ, but of the life of a believer, and that's you and I who trust Jesus as our Savior. So, so I want you to think about how many of you have ever been to a mall, right? How many of you love the food court in the mall, right? You ever go to the food court in the mall? I love going to the food court in the mall. Uh, the food court is a great place to go because if you're hungry, you want something to eat. The problem I have with the food court, though, is what? Too many choices. I'm standing back here. I'm getting hungrier by the second. I said, do I want a potato? Do I want a steak sandwich? Do I want a teriyaki chicken? Right? How many of you get teriyaki chicken, man? I, mean, I find myself doing that, getting a rice bowl or something like that, you know. And I look here in the mall, and, but here's the thing. So, so, you know, the people in the malls, in those little places where you eat, what do they try to do to get you to eat their food? Oh, y'all been there, right? Yeah, I like that. So, so you know what I like to do? I like to walk along everyone, and they're like, oh, here, sir, would you like some chicken? You want some chicken? And so I get some chicken, or I get some whatever steak. Hey, hey, sir, would you like to have a piece of steak? And all that. So I do that. Y'all do that? I bet the guys do that probably more than the ladies do, right? And so, uh, and so, but here's the thing. Uh, they're usually standing in front of their establishment, right? And they're usually there with their little toothpick with their piece of meat on it or whatever it is they're offering, right? So how many of you have ever seen them when you're sitting at the table in the fruit yard? Have you ever seen them walking through? Have they ever walked through to give you a sample? Hmm, all right. Why is that? It's because you're already sitting there eating something, right? You're eating something. You're eating something already. They're not out there at the tables giving you samples of their food. They're standing up, up there in front of their businesses because, listen, that's where, the, that's where, that's where the, the group of people are walking across and they're gathered and the crowds of people are, are walking through and they're looking, you know, and they're looking for everything. And, that's, and that's, that's where the flood of people are. They're trying to get them to buy their merchandise, trying to get them to buy that food that tastes so good, right? And I'm telling you, it does help. I sat there and got a piece of ter- teriyaki chicken. You know what? I'm saying, mmm, that's tasty. And I go up there and I get me a big old bucket full of it, right? And then I sit down there and I just chow down. But they don't, they don't, they don't sit, they don't go out to where you're sitting and you're eating, you know? And so when I think about uh, today, belonging, uh, belonging, uh, Jesus wants us to think about what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to belong to a body of Christ? What does it mean to belong to the church? What does it mean, you know? Here, you know, we're not dishing out samples uh, here. We need to dish out samples where, church? Out there, right? And so, but there is a functionality or function of the church that God has designed and it's my prayer today that I help you to kind of um, go through that and make some notes and take some notes. Please take some notes to kind of help you un- have a better understanding of, uh, of the body of Christ and the body of Christ's purpose, what this church's purpose should be as part of our mission and everything. And so I try to, I try to keep it uh, simple. I try to keep it clear. Because, so listen, I want you to go walk out of here with an understanding of, you know, Jesus, you know, he gave his life for what? For the church. And he said that the gates of hell shall not what? Prevail against it, right? So, and he has a certain structure and a certain organization. We are an organism that is organized, and we have certain ways that we are to function the church. 
and, uh, and we have certain things that happen, and we're going to go into all that this morning. So we're talking about some aspects of belonging together. So we, did, we believe God last week, right? And so today we belong together. We belong together, the church. The church triumphed, right? So we're going to be talking specifically about discipleship. And discipleship is training. We're all disciples or students of the Lord. Discipleship is uh, for us to learn. Uh, actually, the word of discipleship is about us walking in the footsteps of Jesus. In other words, he's leading the way, and we're walking in his very footsteps as we lead. Because, see, he's already planned out. Uh, he's already purposed uh, a design plan for each and every one of us if we're following him. Now, a lot of times, Jesus is going this way, and sometimes we find ourselves going this way, right? And, and we don't need to be going this way. We need to be going the way that Jesus desires us to do it. Listen, here's the thing. When you don't, when you don't go the way that Jesus is going, based on what his word teaches us and how we're to live, when you're not going based on the way Jesus wants you to do, you're going the opposite way. What you're doing is you're settling for less than God's very best for you. You hear me? I mean, why would you settle for less than God's best? Let me ask you a question. Is God God? Is God perfect? Is he holy? Does he perfectly know what you need to do? Absolutely. So why will we desire to have our own personal preferences to walk away from what God's principles are of how he designed us to live, how to, how to live, lead, lead, and walk in our life. We are to walk as disciples. A true disciple of Jesus does what? Follows Jesus. Man, that's what Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and all these disciples, that's what they did. They followed in the footsteps. They lived with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They did what Jesus told them. And listen, when, when they didn't, Jesus would teach them about that. In a loving way, he would teach him with that. Sometimes now Peter, you know, Peter got, he was a little bold, bolder, and he finally told Peter one day, he said, get behind me, Satan. Don't you know, i got to go to the cross. Get behind me, Satan. And he called Peter Satan because, because Peter's mind was not in tune with Jesus and God's will. His mind was in tune like saying, no, I'm not going to let you go to the cross. I'm not going to let you get arrested. I'm not going to let you do this. But this was God's mission, from the, Jesus' mission from the very beginning of his birth was to go and die on a rugged, cruel cross. And so when I look, think about Peter, man, a lot of us are like Peter, amen? Sometimes we are. God tells us one thing, and then we end up wanting to do what? Go the other way, right? And the thing is, when we go the other way, we accept less than God's best, but then there are consequences because a lot of times when we do that, that is what? It's called what? It's called sin. That's rebellion. It's turning your face away from God, going your own way. And when you do that, that is sin. And the Bible teaches that be sure your sin will what? Find you out. You can't hide. You can't continue in sin and it doesn't find you out. I know. I know personally. Personal experience, right? I know. So, listen, save yourself some time. I used to tell my students, you know what? Listen and what? Learn. Because if you don't listen and learn, what do you do? You live and you learn most of the time the hard way. Amen? We learn the hard way. So, I want us to think about this this morning. I'm really going off here. There is a difference, I want you to know this, between church members and church ministry. And my wife is laughing at me. 
But there's a difference between church members and church ministry. I want you to write that down. True church members, guess what they do? They do church ministry. All right? True church members, they do church ministry. That's what they do. And so I want you to get that. John 6, 35 says this. Jesus said to them, he says, I am the what? He says, I am the, the bread of what? The bread of life. Now look at this bread. Looks good, don't it? Does it do you any good when you look at it? You can look at it all day long. You can watch it. And in slow motion, it'll turn green. Get all kinds of junk thrown over, and then you go throw it to the birds, and you can make the birds sick, right? Now, I don't know. Jesus said he's what? He's the bread of life, which means you've got to do what? You've got to partake of it. Listen, you want to be saved, you've got to partake of Jesus, the bread of life. He said that for a reason. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I'm the bread of life. He said, he who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me, that's an action word, believes in me, put my faith in him, put my trust in him, walk, rest in Jesus, who, who believes in me, he says, will never thirst. Never thirst. He says, I am the bread of life. Notice that? There's an I am in there. What did he tell Moses when Moses said, God, who should I say sent me? Say, I am that I am sent you. Remember that movie with the... Charlton Heston, the old Ten Commandments movie. Anyway, so I always love that part. Anyway, it was very good. So there is a difference, folks, between from church members and church ministry. And I want you to get this. And the answer, the difference is Jesus every time. It's Jesus every time. He is always. In fact, in John 1 and verse 14, listen to what it says in the Word. It says, the Word became what? flesh we're talking about jesus who left heaven's glory came to earth he became flesh and he took up what residence among us he pitched his tent literally he put on the tent that's that picture of the tabernacle in the wilderness tabernacle jesus was that tabernacle he pitched his tent in skin in human flesh god leaves heaven comes to earth takes on flesh as a man He's the son of God. He's the son of man. He's a servant to all and each and every one of them. He came here to serve, not to be served. He came here to save, to save you, you and me, for all eternity. He says, I am the bread of life. John 1, 14 says, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. And look what it says, that we observed his glory. Look what John, John is writing this. Now remember, John was where? He was on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Peter, James, and John were up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they saw Jesus changed into his glorified state at the end of his life. And that's where Peter said, you know, God, it's good for us to be here. I think we need to build some altars for you and for Moses and for Elijah, right? Stuck his foot in his mouth again. So, so here they saw him. They said, we beheld, we observed his glory as the one capital O, right? And only Son of the Father. And look what it says. Jesus, full of what? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. You need to circle those two words, grace and truth. This is important. It takes, listen, grace and truth to run an effective church ministry. 
It takes grace and truth to run our ministry, to, to activate our ministry. If we are to be just like Jesus, we need to be full of what? Grace and what? And truth. Grace and truth. Church ministry should be happening, right? We, listen, we must, listen, most of the time that we spend church ministry-wise is outside the doors. When we go into Walmart, if we go into a restaurant, man, that's, there's church ministry. That's what you do individually as you go out. But when we come into the church, there's also ministry that takes place here as we gather together. And it's very important ministry. It's very vital ministry for the church. And we need to understand this word church, right? Church, listen, church in the Greek means ekklesia. You ever heard that term? Ekklesia. All right? Ekklesia, this is what it means. The actual meaning of ekklesia for church is the assembly of called out ones. All right? So here we are. You and I sit here today, right? We are called out. How are we called out? When we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ, he positionally saves us. He sanctifies us, which is a big word. It means that we're set apart from this world for service for him. We are sanctified. We are set apart unto Jesus, right? But see, in the word church, it doesn't just talk about us being sanctified and set apart, but it says we are what? We are an assembly of called out ones. In other words, have we not, are we not the church this morning? Full on, we are the church. Well, not quite full on because a lot of people can't be here, but they're with us on camera. They're with us. Listen, you're in here and they're there, and we are together. We are full on. Ecclesia, the assembly of called out ones. And where, where are we assembled at? Hills Church. This is the place where God has chosen for us to be assembled as called out ones for his church. Because we are sure the people are the church. But when we assemble together, man, it's an awesome thing. Because we come together. Listen, does a log burn brighter when it's one log or when it's 65 logs? <laughs> right? So it takes all of us together. Why is it? Why do you think God did that? Because you, Brother Ed, have a special gift that God has given specifically and uniquely just for you. And you know what, Brother Brother Martin, you have a special gift. And I know your gift is evangelism. Your gift is witnessing. Your gift is telling people the story of Jesus. You know, and I look at some people out there, every one of you have a gift. Sister, Sister Elaine, listen, you have a gift of servitude. You're a servant. You go out and you serve any way you can. Ron, you do the same thing. You're both alike. You're both servants at heart, and you serve people in love and goodness and kindness. You jump in there wherever you can. You're behind the scenes. You're not out in front. You're out there serving, and you're serving. You're fulfilling what God calls you to do. And listen, and when we all come together, your gift and your gift and your gift combined together, man, it makes for a mighty force fire. You hear me? A soul fire to reach out people. This is why the church needs to be full of God's people. And the church, man, we're doing, man, we're doing, we're doing all kinds of things. And it's hard. Ministry's hard in the midst of COVID sometimes. Because look, half of us aren't even here. <laughs> we're still at home watching online, and I praise the Lord for that. But listen, there's coming a time. God knows our heart. Does God, listen, my heart is I want to serve. I want to see our community, these people across the street and beyond, 
saved. I want them to know Jesus as their Savior. And it takes his church to do that. Listen, what is grace? Let me tell you what grace is. It's a gift. Grace is a gift that God has given through Jesus Christ to each and every one of us. It's called undeserved, unmerited favor. We can't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it because we're all sinners, right? And listen, but Jesus loved us so much, he lavishes love by giving us his grace. Ephesians 2.8 is a good verse that, that explains that, very detailed, explains it very good. It's unmerited, deserved favor. By grace, through faith, are you saved. He says it's not of yourself, but it's a free gift. Not of works. You can't work your way to heaven. There's some face out there believe you can do, be a good person. I've done many a funeral where people come up, and by the lifestyle that the people lived, I wondered if they were going to heaven or not. Because people say, well, they were good people. They were good people. But listen, good will not get you into heaven. It never, good <laughs> is the enemy of best. You hear me? Good is the enemy of best. And what's best? Jesus is best. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You can't go to heaven unless you go through the cross of Jesus. And it's so pointedly plain and simple. Jesus himself said that out of his mouth. You want to go to heaven? You got to go through Jesus. You've got to go through the cross. You've got to go through his death and his burial and what? And his resurrection. Only then, when you submit and repent, you turn away from living a filthy life, doing your own thing, chasing after all your heart, will you know that you're going to heaven. Because Jesus died on the cross and he did it all just for you. All you've got to do is receive that gift of what? Grace. Grace is applied to you and to me. Unmerited favor, undeserved. And so we talk about grace. It's a gift. It's free. It's given to each and every one of us. And so, and so, and then we talk about truth. We got to have truth. You can't have grace without truth. But a lot of people live in grace, but they don't even consider the truth. What is the truth? Well, the truth is Jesus. The truth is the Word that was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. The Word, the Word of God, the Word, the Bible that you hold, the Bible that you read, that is absolute truth factual truth is truth from cover to cover all the way through and we need to understand that jesus tells us that grace without truth listen if you have grace and you have no truth right and there are churches that propagate this and you got to be careful of this because jesus is a balanced individual he is perfect in every way his pendulum swings both ways grace and truth grace and truth grace and truth so when you look at grace if it's all stuck on grace right what do people do you've seen it you've heard it so well, i can do what i want jesus died for me he shed his blood for me i'm covered i can do whatever i want i don't need to obey the truth i can live under the grace of god i've received him as savior i've got his grace right and you totally divorce truth the word of god God gives us the Word of God to show us how to live. He gives us the Word of God to protect us from ourselves and from the devil. He gives us the Word of God that gives us principles on how to fulfill, listen, not my life, not my will, but God's will because he paid the ultimate price for you and me. It's my job to surrender to his will. It's my job. Listen, listen, if somebody... If somebody you were in a car crash at an intersection and you were on fire and you couldn't get out of your car and if somebody come up there and ripped them doors off 
How grateful would you be for that person? Very grateful, right, Lakin? Very grateful. How grateful would you be? <laughs> You'd be on their doorstep thanking them, wouldn't you? He would say, man, can I do anything for you here? I mean, I'm, just, I'm so, so grateful for you. I'm just so, listen, this is what Jesus has done for you and for me. Jesus has rescued you from that car crash of sin. Sin is a destroyer. Sin sends you to a place of eternal torment called hell. And it's all right to say hell in church because hell is a real place. It's a place that God did not design for each and every one of us. God didn't design hell for you or for me. He designed it for the demons that turn their back on him in heaven. And listen, and we go there when we don't know the Savior. When we haven't applied that grace to our life and truth. We have to have both grace and truth. And listen, when we do grace without truth and we live our life like we can live it, we can do whatever we want and God covers us, that is not in the Bible. I'm sorry. Because here's the thing. You're going to want to serve the living God. You're going to realize in the depths of gratitude that you have for the grace of God that is you don't deserve it, and he gives it to you as grace. It's a free gift. You should be full of joy. This place should be like resounding in joy. Thank you, Jesus. I don't deserve to be living, and I thank you, Lord, for rescuing me from myself. My life is devoted to you, Jesus. Now show me your truth that I can live in truth. And this is my attempt this morning, is to help you to understand grace with truth together. It has to be together. Grace without truth, I, I'll just say well, it's liberalism. It's doing this, you feel like you're entitled to it. Jesus died for me. I can just do whatever I want. And so it's like straight up liberalism. You do what you want. But here's the problem with that. When you do what you want, and God will allow you to do what you want, but listen what you do. Your grace, listen, you trample. You've got to walk over the blood of Jesus when you do that every time. You trample the blood of a Savior who gave his life for you when you just live by grace alone. You can't do that. Jesus came. John 1, 14, full of what? Grace and truth. Now, there's a flip side to this. How many of you ever met people that were legalistic? Like, you got to do this, and you got to do that, because if you don't, Jesus is going to send that lightning bolt and strike you and smoke you dead, Right? Man, you got to do this. You can't wear that. You can't go there. You can't do that. And listen, there are some things that we should not do. This is the Bible does teach us, right? Thou shalt not kill on your father and mother, right? There are things. Those are good, those are good rules. Why would you not want to keep a rule like that? But the problem is people get stuck on truth. They're on true, 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 truth. And guess what? Who did Jesus speak to and ridicule the most in the New Testament? The Pharisees, the priests, because they were trying to keep 613 rules, and they and they and they and they became a slave to the people because because they're putting these imposing these rules. If you, you know you don't love God if you don't keep these rules, and God wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you just to be a, a rule keeper. Man, He wants a personal, viable relationship with you. It's like kind of like a husband and wife right? Kind of like a husband and wife. You got the groom, which is Jesus, and you got the bride, which is who? It's the lady, right? And you come together as what? As one. 
our relationship with Jesus should be like a bridegroom. I used to tell men all the time, men, you can't become, listen, a groom until you first become a bride. You need to think about that. We are the bride of Christ, men and women alike. We're, we're the bride of Christ. And men, you want to marry somebody, you want to date somebody, listen, you've got to know Jesus is your Savior. You've got to become a bride before you could ever become a groom. It has to be. Man, I turn people away. People come to me and want me to marry them. And, 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 the, and, and, the, and the fiance is saved. She knows Jesus. She loves Jesus. But the groom, oh, no, I haven't made that decision yet. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I haven't made that decision yet. And they want me to marry him. Why would I do something that's against the picture of marriage of what Jesus and God has commanded us to do? Paul said, don't be unequally yoked, right? I got a yoke back there in my office of, for oxen. And you got two. There's two yokes. And they're together. And the two yokes are together. Why? Because you got one oxen that you put in there is the dominant oxen. And then you got the other oxen in there that's not as dominant. So the dominant one does what? Drags the other one around. Right? And so what happens is, listen, the yoke is there because Jesus is the dominant. He's the, he's the dominant ox in that yoke. And guess who's next to him? That's all of us. And God leads us in that yoke. He leads us around. Listen, marriage the same way. You're not yoked together. <clears throat> if, if one is lost and one is saved, it doesn't work. You're settling for less than God's best, and it's going to create consequences of issues and problems for all your life. It's something to, for us to really think about. Wow, God's giving me a lot of stuff here this morning. It's amazing. We must live in grace and truth, right? We must. If we live truth without grace, legalism, we live by a bunch of rules, do's and don'ts. Jesus wants a personal relation. He wants you to be married to him. We are the bride of Christ, and he is the groom. And we come together as one when we trust him as Savior of our life. And you have to examine that in your life. We must live our lives with grace and truth, both. It's the balance of both, grace, truth. And that's how you treat other people. You bring a measure of grace, but you make sure you bring that measure of truth. And it swings back and forth, and it never stops for the rest of your life. Grace and truth. There's a time I was very legalistic. Oh, man, you can't do this because you're not right. You're not wrong. You're wrong according to the word of God. You're wrong. You should not be doing this. Which may be a truth because of the truth, but where was my grace? Not to let them do it, but and lovingly, gently to show them the way. To show them why it's wrong. To explain why. Not because I said so, not because God said so, but because, listen, this is why. So, if you notice, we have a table on the stage. Amen? Grace and truth. The table. The table here, when I look at this table here, See, the table reminds me of the church. I want you to get this picture. The table is the church. The church is the table where people come to get fed. We come here to Hills Church to do what? To get fed, right? You have to get fed what? The bread of life. This is why we come and we gather at a place at 2 Civic Circle on Sunday morning at 1030 
to get fed, and other times as well. We come to the church, the table. And now there's a lot of things that happen at the table, amen? Lots of things. You know, the Bible speaks of many tables. It speaks of tables. In Psalm 23, verse 5, listen to what David wrote. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He prepares a table. In Luke twenty-two fourteen. listen to this. At the time when they had the Last Supper, it said, Jesus said, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table, and the apostles were with him. In Revelations 19 and 9, listen to this. Revelation 19 says, then he said to me, he said, right blessed are those who are invited, invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. A table. There's a table. So God, Jesus talks about table. Jesus is the bread of life, the ultimate bread. He is the ultimate food. And it demands, listen, and it demands the ultimate presentation. Elegant. Remember, we're the church. And it demands an elegant presentation. And that's what I want, that's what I see Hills Church. We want to give an elegant presentation of the table. Listen, the table is very important. See, our purpose here, listen, the purpose, listen, of this place we call Hills Church or the church is to what? Is to build up believers, right? Build believers and to serve seekers. To serve people who are seeking for the answer, seeking for the truth. That's our purpose. To build believers and to serve seekers. And listen, there are two kinds of people at church in this place. There are Christ followers. These are believers who have stepped over the line, who have taken what? They have taken a bite of the bread of life, and they are saved. They follow Jesus. They're believers, right? They're followers of Jesus, and they have eaten it. And then the other people are the seekers. These are the unbelievers, I call them. Unbelievers. And, and some of them could be believers who are trying to check out a new place to worship or whatever. Sometimes that happens. But the seekers are unbelievers predominantly. Someone who has not stepped over that line, has not eaten that bread. They grew up maybe in church, but they never got established. They never eaten the bread of life, Jesus himself. Maybe. Maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you never trusted Jesus as your Savior this morning. You know, you can eat communion all day long. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, it doesn't do you no good. Communion is a symbol, right? It's a symbol of his body, what? Broken for us. And the juice or the wine is the blood that he was shed for us. It symbolizes that he died for you. He shed his blood for you. The forgiveness of our sins comes by receiving Jesus as our Savior. And that's the symbology. He died. He took the stripes of sin for you. He took all of our sin 2,000 years ago and died. And his blood was spilled for you and for me. So Christ Lars the seekers. Well, listen, we need to have a personal connection with God through Jesus Christ, our Savior, the way, the truth, the life, which he said out of his own lips. In our church ministry here at Hills Church, we desire to tackle both of those things. We want to tackle both of them. We want to build believers... But we want to serve who? Those who are seeking for truth. By serving food and the Word of God, creatively, compellingly, we want to serve 
people the Word of God. That is the ultimate presentation here for us. So how many of you have ever entertained guests at home? Ever entertained guests at home? Isn't that cool? Have a guest at your house, right? Sometimes I'll spring it on Deneen. Hey, so-and-so's coming over today, and they're going to eat with us. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Why do you tell me? Why do you tell me, right? And so what does she do? What, what happens, ladies? What, what do you all do? Man, you're scurrying for that. You're going, you're cleaning this up. You're making your bed. You're getting the dirty dishes washed. You're getting everything. You're vacuuming. You're sweeping. You're doing it. I say, honey, get over here. You invited him. You're going to help me. Come on over here. So, and you're cleaning up, and you're fluffing pillows, and you're getting everything ready and everything right. And why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? That's right. It's all about who? Who's it all about? You know? Hey, I might just show up at your house one day unannounced. Oh, man, the pastor's out the front door. And you're like, you're rumbling over there, picking up this and that. I've heard some of you, man. I heard, I've heard some of the husbands, they give it up. They say, you should see my wife. Man, she was running through this house like a chicken with a head cut off. Everywhere she went. She, pastor's outside. Pastor's coming over. Well, we do it. It's all about the guests, right? Think about this for a minute. It's having a guest at your house, right? We invite people, right? We invite people sometimes. And what do we do when we invite people? <laughs> we get to working, man. We get in a place ready for our guests because it's all about the guests, right? We prepare food. We prepare food, and we prepare food. It's all about the guests. We're preparing food, the best food. We're saying, hey, what kind of food do you like? Do you like food? What kind of, you have any allergies? It's all about the guests, right? Is there things you don't like? What do you like? Some of you go, I like T-bone steak, medium well, baked potato, loaded, I know you guys don't do that. But listen, it's all about the guest. Why? It's all about the guest. It's all about who? Other people. It's the table. It's all about the guest. We have an opportunity to share what? The bread of life. The table. The church. We're the table. And we have an opportunity to share the bread of life with others. So, I as your pastor, it is my responsibility. Listen. To feed you, to feed you this bread of life, to feed you the Word of God so that you will have a better understanding of who Jesus is and why He came and all that He does and all He expects for us to do. And I and all of our leadership team here at Hills Church, man, listen, we think about you. We think about every one of you. If there's a need, we want to meet the need. If, there's a, if somebody needs prayed for, we want to be there to pray for you. Listen, we care, we pray. We cry sometimes. We meet. We laugh. All kinds of things. But we pray. We think of how your lives uh, could be doing great or how your lives could be falling apart. And it, and it burdens our heart. And so we pray for you. You know, because whatever, you know, and you know whatever's going on. It might be your health. It might be your finances. It might be relationships. It might be something that has nothing to do with anything that you've done. But we pray, and we lift up. Every Thursday, we pray, 7 and at noon. We're right here in this place at 7 in the morning on Thursday and at noon, and we're praying for everybody and then some. That's what we do. We love to do it. We bring it. We invite God into your circumstances of your life, and that's why we pray. We do it. So as we think about we praise God for answered prayer. That's another thing we do here. We praise God for answered prayer. Brother Ed, I think about you. I can't, I can't get over the testimony that you shared when I first came about being delivered from cancer. 
and stood up and shared that testimony. A lot of you were here that morning. It was a wonderful morning. I love it. God answers prayer because he's the power behind it when we trust in him. So we think about this table, right? We think about the table. We think about the bread, right? Jesus is the bread of life. We know. We also think about the chef, right? Who's the chef? That would be me, your pastor. Man, I'm the dude that serves the food. That's what I do. I serve the food for each and every one of you, and that's what I do, right? Also, we think about chairs. See all the chairs there? Those chairs mean some. The invitation of what we do at Hills Church is very important. In fact, John 4, 34, look at what Jesus said. He said, Jesus said, my food is to do what? To do the will of him who sent me and to finish what? Finish what, folks? To accomplish or finish his work. Think about that for a minute. Well, how does Jesus do that? Listen, folks, entertaining people at your house is a lot of work. Amen? Is it not a lot of work? Absolutely, it's a lot of work. Getting all this together. And my wife goes, honey, don't ever do that again. You know? No, it's, you know. But anyway, but it's true. I mean, it's a lot of work. But we must think about the table, the church. Listen, the place, the table. The table is what? It's the church. It's where people are fed. Man, children, adults, teenagers, fed at your table. All of us. Listen, think about this. You have a, does everybody have a table at home where you're fed? Is that the only thing you do is eat at that table? Man, you probably grew up had kids that did their homework at the table, didn't they? Right? You can remember. I know I'm, I'm opening up some memories. You might have had some counseling sessions at that table. Right? You might have had a food fight at that table. I don't know. It might have been pleasant. It might not have been pleasant. I don't know. But think about the table. A lot happens. You make memories at the table. Man, I mean, the table in your house where you eat is almost like the central place in your house. Am I, not, am I not right? It's like the central place of the house. The table. It's everything. Everything happens at central. Also, we need to think about what? We need to think about these chairs. See these chairs here? If the table is the church... <clears throat> And the bread is the bread of life, which is Jesus, right? What do these chairs represent? We know the chair back here, that's the pastor's chair. That's the dude with all the food, right? And I'll bring the food to you, right? But here's chair, chair number one. You might want to fill these out. Chair number one. I'm going to turn this chair around. You know what this chair is right here? This chair is what I call the seeker's chair. You see that? The seeker's chair. The seeker's chair, this is the chair, listen, the seeker's chair, these are the people that don't know Jesus, they're lost. But they're coming, they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out what life is about. They're trying to figure out, is God real? They're trying to figure out, who is this Jesus? I mean, we, we see people wearing symbols of the cross on their necks all the time. What has the cross got to do with Jesus? What did Jesus do? So people come here trying to determine Trying to figure out what life is all about. I mean, the, really the root question is, why am I here? Why am I here? What is life all about? So they come to our church. They come here. They come to the ecclesia. The, the, listen, they come gathering here to find an answer, to find truth, to find something, right? 
And so hopefully the preacher, if he's good enough, listen, he knows the word enough, he can bring it to them, and hopefully they can do it. Or maybe it's you, church member. Maybe you're the one who invited them. Maybe you're the one that's been pouring into them. Maybe you were talking to them as an Uber, and you were, you were inviting them to church so they can taste the what? The bread of life so they can come to the knowledge of truth of who Jesus is for their life. And they can get rescued and get snatched out of the flames of sin and destruction in their life. And want a better life. Want something different. Want to know they can have a relationship with a holy God who created them and gave them breath and life and, and everything. You know? But the seeker, man, they're the ones. They sit here. Listen, there are many people that do not know Jesus. There are people, and I was talking about funerals earlier, who come through this life, and they live, and they never talked about Jesus, and they never give their life to Jesus, and they die, and the family members will say, oh, they're in a better place now. And they know that they, didn't, they never talked about Jesus. In fact, if they said anything about Jesus, they took his name in vain as a cuss word. And that's a shame. Man, it, that makes me cry. That makes me burden my heart because hell is full of good people who never trusted in a Savior, Jesus, to save them from their sin. And Jesus wants you to be saved. So if you're a seeker here, if you're trying to find the answer, there's only one answer, and it's here in the bread of life, Jesus. Jesus. Innocent. He had no sin. He had no sin on his body. And he came to earth and he lived his life. He ministered. He did great miracles. He, he made the lame to walk. He made the blind to see. He made the deaf to hear. He raised people from the literally dead. Lazarus from the dead. In John 21. Man, think about this. Think about it hard this morning, folks. If you're seeking, listen, I want you to find this morning. That's my heart to see you find this morning. Listen, you're not here by no accident. You are here. Listen, a lot of times you know, we, we invite, you are drawn by something. The reason that you're here, if you're a seeker, you were drawn by something. And this is the something you were drawn by. Look at John 6, verse 44. And John 6, 44 says what? It says, listen, no one can come to me unless what? The Father who sent me draws and I will raise him up on what? On the last day. Think about that. We hang out. Listen, I want you to hang out for some weeks. I want you to get used to it. I want you to hear the living, the word of God. Let the word of God water over you and rush in you. Ask questions. Please ask questions. We want to, if I don't have the answer, listen, I'll get my Bible out and we have the answer. I have the answer somewhere. I will get that answer to you. Jesus is that answer. And he has made a way for every one of us. Every one of us, right? We don't expect, listen, here's the big thing. We don't expect you to act like a believer as a seeker until you become a believer. You hear me? We don't expect that. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to judge how you look, how you walk, how you talk, how you dress, all that. No. My, I, listen, we love you because Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And listen, he commands us, hey, we love God. We love our man, right? We love others as we love Jesus. Love our neighbor, what? As ourselves. I don't care if you're saved or lost, you're still our neighbor. You still need Jesus. Love our neighbor as ourselves. You love Jesus? We want you to love Jesus because, man, he's got, this, he's got this plan for you that's the most radical plan. Who knows? You might be on the other side of the world being a missionary for Jesus, telling people who are lost, whole communities, 
that need to hear the word of Jesus, need to hear the name Jesus, need to hear the Bible. And listen, you know what happens? And then they fall down and they give their life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're that missionary person that God wants to send you somewhere to pour into people the name of Jesus so that thousands would be saved. There could be the next Billy Graham right here. You never know. I never know, you know. You never know. So listen, if you're a seeker, listen, you need to keep coming. Keep digging. Keep looking for the answer. I promise you here, as we preach the word of God, you'll hear the answer. So that's chair number one. Never forget chair number one, seeker. The next chair we have is right here. It's the believer, the new believer chair. Chair number two, it's that person who trusts in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and they get saved. Now, they're brand new believers. They're brand spanking new, right? They are called, they are born again. That's the term. It's called born again. Well, what does it mean to be born again? I can't go into my mother's womb a second time and be born again. No, that's ridiculous, right? And a Pharisee named Nicodemus asked Jesus that very question. I can't go back in my mother's womb and be born again. What in the world are you talking about? He said born again means born from what? Above. It's spirit. It's spirit. Jesus came. What? Full of grace and truth. He came to seek and to save that was lost. When we trust in his death on the cross and his burial and his resurrection, when we trust and put our faith, our hope, our life in that, and ask him to come alive, and we turn away from our wicked ways and we chase after him, listen, when we do those things and we chirk after, listen, he saves us completely. He does the work. 2,000 years ago, all your sin in this room, whether you're saved or lost, all your sin was placed on the body of of Jesus. And when he died on that cross, he shed his blood to forgive you of every sin that you have committed to yesterday, today, and for how long? Forever. Man, that should cause all of us to turn our life over to him and to follow him all the days of our life. You're a new believer. And so I love this part because, see, this is where it gets messy in a church. And some of you folks were here when my first messages was about me in a messy church because what happens when you have a newborn baby? What happens? What do you do, Lakin? A lot of extra care, right? So that baby is what? It goes everywhere with you. You pick it up. You carry it with you. You feed it. You change the diapers. Most of the girls, the guys don't like, you know. But hey, I know. But it's totally dependent on you. Church, we have new believers that get saved. You know, I think about Brother Hunter, who came here and was baptized a couple weeks ago. I talked with him yesterday, as a matter of fact. He's a new believer. He's a baby in Jesus right here. He's sitting in this chair, and he's got to be trained, right? And so he is to be trained. Baby believers, new Christ Lord. They pray to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And, and listen, one of the things we do here is I offer a new members class. In the new members class, Sister Denise and I will spend a couple Sunday nights. We'll sit down with you, even if it's more than a couple Sunday nights, and we'll go through what this church is about. What, what it means to be saved. What it means to be baptized. What it means to take communion. What it means. What, what we believe. You know, and why we believe what we believe. And we go through this with you. Besides that, Sister Denine and I have opportunity for you to meet Sister Denine and I so that you can know who your pastor and his wife is. Because we want to be an intricate part of your life. We want to help you on your journey as you follow Jesus after receiving Jesus as your Savior. We want to. In fact, this whole body here wants to help you. I hope. 
<laughs> I pray. That's what we're here for, right? So hopefully we will, right? And he says, and so we know we want to share those next steps. In fact, the journey is this. Listen, in chair number two, this is the journey. This is the journey. It is number one, it's faith decision. It's a faith decision. You're saved. And you know it. You've turned your life over to Jesus. You've invited him in. You said, Lord, I want to be saved. Listen, you were drawn here. You weren't drawn here of your own accord. That previous verse I read in John, listen, you were drawn here by Jesus in the Spirit. And you're sitting in here because the Spirit drew you to him. And when the Spirit draws you to him, then you must respond to that Spirit's drawing. You're here hearing the Word of God this morning, and you're hearing who Jesus is, and you need to respond to that Word. And you will respond. Hey, make no mistake about it, you will respond. You're either going to respond to him, or are you going to respond away from him? And you go out the door, hey, no response is still a response in church every time. And it's something to think about. So faith decision, that's where your journey begins, faith decision. You get saved. Number two, it's new members. You go to new members class, we get to teach you, get to show you. Hey, listen, give you your next steps of what it means to be a Christian and following Jesus. We want to help you on that journey, get you started, right? And then you join small group. We get you to join in a small group, become part of a small group, which COVID is very hard right now because we're all dispersed and we can't meet, and we got spread out and all that good stuff. And so, But once we get back to that, man, those small groups are going to be happening. But it doesn't mean you can't be here at 6 o'clock on Sunday night for a Bible study and grow. It doesn't mean you can't be here on Wednesday night at 6.30 and grow or tune in online on Wednesday night and grow. Hear the Word of God. Hear the, hear the living Word of God. Look at Luke 14, 28. Listen, when you get saved, one of the things that Jesus uh, talked about he said listen for which of one of you when he wants to build a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it see we have to count the cost what's the cost of being a christian what's the cost of being saved the cost is listen it's as if that you hate your own mom and dad it's as if that your love and, and affections for jesus is stronger than your own affections for your mom and dad not that it's literally hate you wouldn't hate your mom and dad. But it's like your love for Jesus should be so strong that nothing else matters but Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, listen, he brings everything in line. Your love for mom and dad is going to actually be better. Your love for brothers and sisters is going to be better because, listen, Jesus is going to lead you how to properly love one another. Right? He says, you are my disciples if you have what? Love for another. If you have love for one another, you're not his disciple, so you're not saved. So if you're truly saved, you're going to have love for other people. We need to think about it. We must count the cost. You must be sold out for Jesus. Following Jesus, things will change. Listen, and you will want that change. You will want things to change in your life. Because, listen, you don't want to settle for second best. You want to settle for the best that God has for you. No matter how easy or hard it might be, and it might be, and it will be hard at first, because listen, it's going to change the whole dynamic of your relationships and everything. I know it had to change for me when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Listen, my whole dynamic changed. My friends started changing. 
I started surrounding myself with people who love Jesus. I tried to make friends and befriend people who love Jesus so that I can learn and know more about what this love of Jesus was like. And so I would go to church. I would get involved. I would get in a group. I would do something. I would make myself available to be around godly men and women so that they could pour into me, so that, so that they could rub shoulders with me and rub some of that Jesus off. You know what I mean? It's so important for us to understand this. And I think a lot of times churches don't explain it. And I want to take time and explain it this morning to you. It's about the table, the church. And this is what we're doing. And the people that come in, Hills Church, seekers. And it's about first-time new believers when they get saved. And then we take time out, make time. Listen, don't say you're too busy. Heaven is a long time. Heaven is forever life. This life is a very temporary life. And you don't know what day that God's going to call you home. Nor do I. But he's going to call you home one day. You must count the cost. Things must change. Sometimes there's a relational cost. Sometimes there's a financial cost. There's all kinds of different costs. It's going to cost you a lot of different things. You have to stop doing some things, start doing some other things. There is a cost to it. But I promise you, Jesus, there's an there's a exchange takes place when you're saved. You redecorate it from the inside going out. He changes your heart about things, some things. I know for me, one, when I gave my heart and life to Jesus, one of the first things he took away from me was my filthy mouth. That's right, your pastor had a filthy mouth. And all my military buds, I had the filthiest mouth. I could, man, I could do it with the rest of them. And I think back now, I think, how ignorant, that, how stupid that was. I was ignorant. I knew it better. My mom and dad raised me better than to have a filthy mouth. That was the first thing he took from me was my filthy mouth. I praise the Lord. I know some of you are still working on that. But listen, there are things that Jesus takes away as he reveals it to your heart and to your mind. And you've got to let it go and get it under the blood. And Lord, forgive me for that. Realizing Jesus' spirit wakes you up to different avenues and things in your life that doesn't need to be there. You know? I mean, really. He wants us to do the right thing. He wants, he wants your life to be blessed because you do the right thing. Stop doing the wrong thing. That leads to uh, consequences of destruction. I'm sorry, but it does. It leads to, I don't even apologize for it. Now, I ain't going to, listen, Jesus wants your life to be full and free. Because he's leading you and guiding you into all the truth that he has. But it takes a part of you to surrender to the lordship of Jesus to do that. So, that is chair number two. Chair one, seeker. Chair number two, new believer. Let's go over to this chair over here. Here's the other chair. Chair number three. This is all of our goal to get to chair number three. What is it? It's the mature chair. The mature in Jesus' chair. Listen, we're all working on that part, right? But there is a maturity level. There is a maturity. You can measure the maturity level as a believer in Jesus Christ. Listen, mature Christians living with Jesus coast to coast. That's what you're doing. When you're living with Jesus, you're living coast to coast. doesn't matter where you go. Jesus is the main thing in your life. Jesus is everything in your life. You radiate Jesus. You talk about Jesus. I'm not saying being a weirdo. Don't be a crazy, lunatic person. 
You know, some people over-spiritualize stuff. Listen, be who Jesus made you to be. Amen? Listen, he's going to show you every way you need to live your life. You ain't got to be a crazy person. You got to be a Jesus person. And Jesus wasn't crazy, right? Amen. To people of the world, it looks like crazy. What do you mean you give 10% to the church? I said, because God commands us to do it. What? I had a guy in the Air Force when we were talking about that, and I don't even know how it came up. I was in a planning meeting, and he said, he said, you get 10% of your income to the church? I said, really, I get more than 10%. I really do. What? Why do you do that? I said, because I love Jesus. And because Jesus commanded me to do that. So I'm going to be obedient to Jesus. I just want to be obedient to Jesus. He says, he says, he said, and you're not saving money for your kids' college? I said, nope, but God will supply. And he does, and he did. And I never stopped giving 10% or more to Jesus. I've never, I never really preached that here. You guys are very good at giving to the Lord. And it's not giving as much as it's bringing. Bringing and giving is two different things. In Malachi, God said to bring your money to the storehouse. He didn't say give it. Bring it means it's what? Is it an option? Is it an option? No, it's a command. That's just the word of God. That's what God's word says. Bring your tithe. The tithe means 10% to the storehouse. So that's what I do. God convicted my heart about that years ago. That's what we do. And so I try to obey God. And it's blessed my heart. There are times it didn't add up. But I was obedient, and God always made a way out of no way. That's the kind of God we serve, amen? I love it. Mature, right? Chair number three, what do you do? Number one, this is what you do. You share your faith in Jesus. You share your faith in Jesus. The mature believer shares their faith in Jesus. You tell his story through your story to somebody who doesn't know Jesus. You don't have to have a bunch of Bible knowledge, a bunch of memorized verses. and all. I'm not saying you don't memorize verses, don't understand the Bible, you know, that all fall short, fall, uh, uh, short of the glory of God. You know, we're all sinners and we're all doomed for hell. It doesn't mean that you don't know verses. It means that, yeah, learn verses that you can share and you can draw from as the Holy Spirit gives it to you. Share your story of how you came to know Jesus personally as Savior yourself. That's all that Paul had when he got saved on the Damascus Road. He shared his experience. Oh, man, I was walking down the Damascus Road. And then all of a sudden, boom, I was on the ground. Man, there was this bright light. I couldn't see a blooming thing. There I was, just paraphrasing, you know. And this, and this, and this man, Jesus, he spoke to me. Man, he was like, why are you persecuting me? And I'm like, what? I ain't persecute you. Well, yeah, you're killing all these people and persecuting Christians. You're persecuting me, Paul, as you persecute everybody else. Paul shared that very story with kings and people, and he won thousands to Christ through that story. Your story. What is your story? How do you come to faith in Jesus Christ? Share your story. Number two, then you serve. You learn how to share your story, then you learn how to serve others. We came to serve. Jesus came to seek and to save, and Jesus didn't come to be served, but to do what? But to serve. A Christian serves. Right? And y'all know my saying, if you're not serving, what are you doing? You're swerving. <laughs> right? 
So you better be serving, because if you're not serving, you're swerving. You've got to serve. Serve the Lord, right? It's not about me. It's about who? It's everybody else, right? It's always about others, always. And then number three, you sow into others to make them into what? Mature believers. That's what we want. We want you to sow in people's lives. Talk with them at home. Go out with them for lunch. Do things. Sow in their lives and make them mature believers. God will use you. Wouldn't you like to be used like that? Man, can you imagine you're being used? You're sharing your story. Also, say, hey, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. So you say, okay, well, here's what you do. You just pray, receive Jesus Christ, your Savior. He forgave you of all your sin. Ask him to come into your heart and life, and he'll do it. Turn away from your wicked ways. Chase after him. Do that, and he'll do it, right? And just think, if you share that story, somebody gets saved. Isn't that going to pump you up? Yes, God used me to share his word with somebody else. I am pumped up. Now, listen, you've got to follow through with that. And you've got to follow through and say, okay, now, my goal is, I'm working on them here because I want to get him in this chair over here. Man, this is all done through the table. What's the table? The church. This is the place. This is where God equips us to do the work right here. So we got the mature believers. Seeker. People get saved. Believer. And then we have the mature in Christ. The mature in Christ. John 4, 34 makes this statement. Jesus said to them, he said, My food is to do what? The will of him who sent me and to accomplish what? His work. Right? There is work only Jesus can do. But you know what? The work that he does, he wants to do through you. And there's work that only you can do, Camden. There's work. Listen. I can't reach an 8th grader like you could. You can reach an 8th grader. Ninth, you going to ninth grade? You going to ninth grade? 8th grade? Hey, I just got it right. You could reach an 8th grader where Brother Phil could never have the opportunity to reach an 8th grader in my math class, in your math class, right? And listen, that's how you do it. A mature believer does it in those three ways. It's crucial. It's critical that we do it. There's work. Down here, Jesus depends on us to do it with him. Abiding in Jesus, and Jesus abiding in you, he gives you the power and the authority in that power, in the presence of the Spirit of God, in you as a believer, to walk in truth and to share his truth with somebody else. Jesus uses you as a mouthpiece to reach others for Jesus. Isn't that awesome? You know? And he sense it too, boy. I mean, I sense it. There's times I'm sitting there talking to people. All of a sudden, this scripture pops in my spirit, and I share it with them in a loving way. And it's like, oh, wow, God, where'd that come from? He does that. And I love it when he does that. Don't be afraid. The Lord's with you. He's going to speak with you. He's going to speak through you, or he might get you just to clam up. I don't know. Sometimes he shuts my mouth, puts a zipper on it. Hey, no, no, don't go there. Because it would mean not for good. But he wants us to share. And Hebrews, listen, 5.14, listen to what he says. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern what is good and evil, to know what's right and what's wrong, know what's good, what's bad. 
Don't you want to discern what's good and bad coming? You can discern. You know. God puts it in every person's heart. Spirit of God's in you. He tells you. He shows you what's right and what's wrong. And you can discern. Okay, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what's right. We need to do that. Think of everything we are setting up to do at Hills Church. Listen, Hills Church. Listen, Hills Small Groups. Hills Students. Hills Kids. Listen, it's all about the table. The table. As we begin. So here's my question. You know, this is a cycle. You see the seekers, the new believers, the mature, you know, being fed by Bible study leaders and stuff and leadership, members of our leadership team, pouring into each and every one. And it's a great, like an, like an ecosystem, and it just moves around. And this is how the church flourishes. This is how we grow. This is how we build, how we, how we get larger. Because, listen, as we do this faithfully, all of us together, God's going to bless that. He's going to honor that. When you're doing it under submissiveness to him and his authority, you need to do it. You need to do it. So what part are you playing in the process? What part do you play in the process? Are you handing out samples of bread? Listen, who's in your life right now that is hungry that you're not feeding? Who is it? What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? I mean, really. Sometimes we have excuses. No, no. Pastor, I need to know more. I need to know more. I don't know enough. No, 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 no. Listen, if you know Jesus and Jesus knows you, you have enough. You have enough. Your samples are the way that you walk. Your samples are the way that you talk. Listen, think about it. The way that you conduct your life. Your samples are all those things. When you're living like Jesus to the world, it just comes out naturally. So has your behavior kept you from giving out the right kind of food? This is what I'm asking. Are you inviting your friends to Hills Church? Think about this this morning. Are you sharing your faith, the gospel, with others? That's your food. The table is the church where the people are fed. Think about this. The three chairs of the mature new Christian is seeker. Think about this. But we have another kind of people in the church, and they are people who are obese in the church. The diet-driven Christians. I want you to hear me this morning. People who just feed on the Word of God. And they just study the Word of God. Say, you've got to do it. I've got to do it, Pastor. I've got to do it. I've got to feed on the Word of God. And it's true. You do have to feed on the Word of God. You've got to. I understand that. But we diet with God's Word. But what does the medical profession say about diets? What do they say? To live healthy and vibrant lifestyles, you've got to watch your what? Your diet, and you've got to do what? Regular what? Exercise. So, you might say, what chair do these diet-driven, think about this, overweight believers sit in? It's a very special chair. Listen. These diet-driven, obese, pot-bellied Christians, you know where they sit? They sit in this high chair right here. This is where they sit. They sit in the high chair. Now think about this for a minute. They sit in the high chair. And what do they do? Man, they want to get fed. Listen, they want, listen, this is not actually the high chair, but you know what this truly is? It's the I chair. It's me, myself, and I. I want to get fed, Pastor. I'm not getting fed. I want to get fed. I want to go deeper. 
Have you heard that? I want to go deeper. Listen, I just want more worship. I just want, I, I, I want. And here's what happens. Listen, this is what happens. Listen, the pastor, what happens is I turn my back to the masses. And what happens is the pastor is feeding the I person just like this. And where's his back turned? His back is turned to all these people in the chairs. My back is turned to you right now. The pastor is feeding this, I want to get fed. I want to get more. I want to get me. Feed me, pastor. Feed me, pastor. Feed me, pastor. And listen, they get so fat that they can't even exercise. They can't even do it. And listen, and I say this with all the love of my heart. I'm all for Bible study. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking Bible study. But what I am knocking is when our whole life is about Bible study and we're not applying that Bible study into the life of somebody who is going to hell, then we have just missed the mark. You have sinned against God. Because God come didn't command us to sit here. He didn't say, sit ye. Did he? Did he say, sit ye? No. He said what? He said, go. Everywhere you go. And you're going. Everywhere you go. Share what? Listen, you came to faith in Jesus because of Jesus. And who would not want to share that message and rescue somebody from the flames of hell? We should be all doing that together. And listen, you want to see this church fill up in a month? If we all start doing our part and doing that, literally, seriously doing that, you're going to see God do wonderful things at Hills Church. And I believe that you're going to do it. I believe that's on your mind to do it. Quit being afraid that you ain't going to say the right thing. Because I ain't saying the right thing right now. <laughs> right? But you understand me, right? Jesus gives us the right thing to say at the right time. If you've been in prayer and you say, Lord, use me today to reach somebody who don't know you as Savior. We need to fill these chairs in Hills Church. This is a place for us to believe. It is. It's a place that he's gathered us together to believe. The ecclesia, the assembly of called out ones, assembling together, getting ready, me equipping you to do the work of ministry all over the world, wherever God takes you. Isn't it awesome? That's what he wants. He wants. He wants us to come together. Hebrews 6, 1 says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Spiritual maturity is not about me, and it's not about or you. It's all about who? It's all about everybody else outside of you. That's what spiritual maturity is. We need to... Listen, we need to be a church ministry of thirds. A third of our people should be seekers. A third of our church ought to be new believers. A third of our church ought to be mature believers. And it's amazing what God will do. Hills Church is about diet and exercise. Why? Because we want to build believers, right? And we want to serve who? Seekers. Then we will be a place to belong in God's grand kingdom. because of what he did through all of us in this place called Hills Church. We are a people in a place who believe God. Think about that. We are a people in a place who belong together, right? 
And we are a people in a place for next week who become, become what? They become servants and they become witnesses of Jesus. I want every head bowed and every eye closed for a minute. I know this is a little longer today, but I feel that it was really important for us to get an understanding of the church that we serve and we live in. Some of you sitting here today, maybe you've heard the gospel explained in a way you've never heard before, but it's my prayer for you at home, online, here. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I want to ask you this morning, stop being a seeker, be a believer. Trust Jesus as your personal Savior. You know he wants you to. You know he's pulling on your heart to do that this morning. So I'm going to give some time for you to make that decision in your life. He has drawn you here for a reason. You're not here by an accident. You're here because Jesus wants you here. You're here because he is speaking to your heart. You're here because he wants you to be saved. If that's you this morning, I want to help you. My prayer can't save you. Only your prayer can save you. What you believe in your heart and mind about Jesus, listen, I've just given you the truth. Jesus died on a cross, shed his blood for you to wash away every sin stain forever. By the grace he has given that to you, by the faith that he has given you to believe in him, trust him as your Savior today. Say, Jesus, come into my heart and life and save me from me. I'm a sinner which means I've done a lot of things wrong. I can't get rid of that wrong stuff. But Lord, I give it to you finally today, all of it. All of it. Lord, come into my heart. Save me this very day. I ask you, Jesus, to save me. And Lord, I thank you for coming into my heart. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried and that you rose from the dead just for me. And I ask you to come into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And what we're going to do something a little different we haven't done before. I want everybody in the congregation to open up your hymn books to page 319. I want us to sing. If you ask Jesus to come into your heart and Savior, my wife, Sister Deneen, is sitting down here in the front, and I will come down and meet you right here in the front. I haven't done this probably since I've been. I think I've done it a couple times. But I want to have a call. If you need Jesus, your Savior, don't put it off. Ask Jesus to save you this day. And what we're going to do, we're going to sing a few verses of this song. And you need to get up out of your chair. You need to come. You really do. So if God has spoken to your heart this morning in this place, and you see which chair, which chair are you in? Which chair do you want to be in? It's totally up to you. Jesus is drawing you to him. Relinquish control. Let Jesus save you this morning. Man, let's all sing together. Can we sing together? Here we go. Sing with me, will you? Just as I am, you can stand, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed And that thou biddest me come 
of God I come I come sing the second verse just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blood to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot oh, of God might be afraid to come. I get that. It's pretty fearful to come in front of a church of people that you don't know and they don't know you. But I can assure you one thing, folks, especially those who are contemplating coming. Everybody else is sitting out here had to come at some time in their life. I remember when I did, I had to come. You don't have to. When you make, listen, when you come, you know when you make the decision? I always tell people this. It's not when you come to the altar. When you make a decision that you're going to trust Jesus as your Savior, listen, when you're sitting here with Sister Linda, and you know, and you, you might wait, white knuckle in this pew right here. Like, oh gosh, oh gosh, you're, you're, you're speaking to me. Why can't I let go? Why can't I let go? But see, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you on your own volition to let go. As soon as you let go and you take that first step, salvation strikes you right there. That's when he gets you. And then you come on out. And you come on down and talk to me or Sister Deneen so we can pray with you and encourage you. Encourage you in what to do next. I want you to be saved. I want you to know you're going to heaven. And there's only one way. Let's sing verse 4, and then we'll close. Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, side riches, healing of the mind, yea, all I Listen, this pastor, I love you with all my heart. I'm not here to play tricks or mix words. I just want to share the story that Jesus shared with me. And I pray that as you think about this, if you didn't make a decision, please let me know. I'm always available. Deneen's available. Let us know. If you need anything, just let us know. Let me pray for you. I want you to have an excellent week, okay? Father, I thank you, Lord, for the table that you made here at Hills Church. I thank you, Lord, that we have all kinds of people that come in. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch our hearts today. Lord, encourage them to know, God, that you are faithful all the way to the end. Lord, you came, you died, you suffered, you shed your blood, you gave your last breath so that we would have everlasting life. We can't fix ourselves. You came to rescue us from ourselves. 
And Lord, I thank you for those who may have been thinking about it, thinking about it. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they've been given the word of God, that they can uh, contemplate what you've told them. And Lord, that they would allow you, Lord, to be God of their life. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ that are mature Christians. I pray that they would continue to do the work of an evangelist and share and be a witness to the world that Jesus saves. And Father, go with us and protect us all from the evil one. We pray for our nation, our nation's leaders. We pray for people around the world. We pray for this virus that you put an end to it. And God, that we can uh, get in line with your word and your will. Lord, because we know that's what's best for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you all. Have a great day. I'm sorry I kept you a little longer. Amen.